chapter number 8, and I want to leave with you just a few thoughts. I have 49 points. I don't really. I don't really. That was evangelistically speaking. There's really 63. Uh, I'm just kidding about that. I, I really won't keep you long. I promise that. And I know it's hard sometimes, especially as the weather gets warmer and uh, more comfortable. We get our bellies full, sit in a warm room, padded chairs. Uh, there's times I have to wake myself up preaching. So, Acts chapter number 8. And uh, we begin reading verse number 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, uh, which is desert. And he arose and went. And behold, a man of uh, Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I accept some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shearers, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh this prophet, or the prophet this, of himself or of some other? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Father, I pray that you'd bless the message this afternoon, and I pray that you would give us some guidance Lessons that can be learned from the small account that you've given here of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Lord, so many things that we find in Scripture, little snippets and uh, little incidences and things that you've chosen to reveal to us 2,000 plus years later. And yet how vividly we learn truth from them. I pray that you would help us this afternoon as we take a look into this to learn and to take away some lessons that can be found here, that we would apply them and put them into practice in our lives. Father, we long, we long so much to be more like you, to be, be more conscious of the lost. Lord, our heart's desire is to see people saved. Our heart's desire is to take this wonderful message of the gospel that you've given to us that you've entrusted to us, you've put it into our hands. And Lord, why you've done that, I don't know. But I pray that you'd help us to be diligent, to be faithful. That we would put forth every effort to do the work that you've given us to do. And so, Father, help us in this matter, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I've said so often before, and I, I really don't know how else to explain it the great privilege that God has given to you and I to be a part of His work of spreading the gospel. I've recently talked with a few people, not just actually a couple of folks, about the importance and how God has chosen, for whatever His reasons are, to take the most precious thing that He has for mankind, and He puts it into our hands and entrusts it to us. 
Uh, that's a sobering thought. It's a sobering thought. The, the, very, the very nature of God is that He desires for men to be saved. And the, the means of that salvation, the gospel message, He puts that into, into my hands and into your hands. And then He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's not that God can't do His work any other way. He can, and there's sometimes that He chooses to use other ways. But the primary way that God has chosen to get His message out is through you and I. I was recently talking with some folks about the importance of praying, and we shared the story of Daniel Nash a few weeks ago and how God has chosen to tie our prayers to His working many times. Why He does that, I don't know, but He does. And that, again, is a very sobering thought. It puts accountability upon us. It causes us, as we reflect on those things, to realize that God has given us a very, very important task to do. The reaching of the lost is one of the most important events that we will engage in in our Christian lives, second only to our personal walk with God. Oh, that we would learn to make it the priority again, that it would become something that we magnify in our lives and we say, this is going to have a level of importance to me. And as I walk and as I grow in the, in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord and as my, my heart is overflowing with the things of God, that that, that uh, will uh, motivate and encourage me. Paul said it this way. He said, The love of Christ constraineth me. The idea that our hearts become so full of love for God in our walk with Him, and as we draw closer to Him, that we just cannot help but get out here and tell somebody else about it. We cannot help but take the Word of God and preach it or teach it or talk to people about it. Some of you have talked to me about uh, uh, the opportunities recently that God has given you. I've gotten some phone calls from folks that uh, are not even part of our church. They've said, boy, you wouldn't believe uh, the door that was open to me. And I shared the gospel and I was able to talk and, and engage this person in conversation about the things of the Lord. Can I tell you, this is what we ought to be engaged in in these last days. You say, Brother Greg, are you sure we're in the last days? Well, uh, according to the book of Hebrews... <laughs> The Bible says that even shortly after the ascension of Christ, they knew they were in the last days. If they were in the last days in the early church, rest assured, we're even in the laster of the last days. We're further along into those last days. And yes, we have a job to do. We have a commission that God has given to us, not out of obligation. We don't serve God out of obligation. We don't go solely. We don't tell people about the, the, the gospel simply because we have to. I don't know about you, but I get so excited about my salvation, I just want everybody to hear about it. I was talking to a friend of mine years ago. His name's Wayne Corfman. His wife, Catherine, passed away after numbers of years of being married, <coughs> many decades of being married. Brother Wayne now is probably in his upper 80s, I would say. And I was over at his apartment a few years ago talking with him, and we were I was there to try to be a help and a blessing to him. He, he lives by himself, and... Um, you ever, you ever met somebody where you go try to be a blessing to him and you walk out of there and he's blessed you or they blessed you with the way their attitude is? That's the way Brother Wayne was. And I, I went and, and sat in his apartment and he said, we got talking about Miss Catherine. And then we got talking about the Lord. And those are his two favorite subjects, his wife and his Lord. And uh, he got talking about them. And uh, I started tearing up and we started, uh, he has such a burden for the lost. And... Uh, he, he works it literally this, I don't mean to build up a man, but I'll, I'll give you some idea of how strongly he feels about reaching the lost with the gospel. 
Brother Wayne came to our ministry in Florida a number of years ago. He and his wife, they were retired. They wanted to get involved in a, a ministry that could get the gospel out, and we had a large printing ministry there. So he came down, and he volunteered. He won't let us pay him. He said, if you can make sure you give me a little place to stay, a little room or something to sleep in. Uh, he said, And he's been there probably about 15 years, I would say now, going on it, or, or maybe more. He doesn't have quite the energy that he used to have, but Brother Wayne, for a while, lived in a little camper that we had, just a little pop-up camper, trailer-type thing, and that's where he lived. And uh, at, uh, at nighttime, when it would get cold in the wintertime in Florida, which is about the only time it got cold at night, he would not run a heater. He went and got him a, a cord with a socket for a light bulb in the end of it, and he, he put this light bulb in the end, and he would drape it over his shoulder and rest that light bulb on his chest for warmth. And I said, Brother Wayne, I've got this space heater. No, 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 Brother Greg, I can't do that. That cost a few cents, and I found out that I can print three tracks for one penny. And if I can save one penny, that's three people that will hear the gospel. This kind of heart that Brother Wayne has for those that are lost. We got talking about some of those things. And I'll tell you what, he, he's a blessing. I sit there and I, I'm convicted when I get in around him. I really am. And he made this statement. He said, Brother Greg, we are never embarrassed to talk about the ones that we love. And I sat there that night. He was sharing with me with all the memories that he and Miss Catherine had. And then he'd move right into how much he loved the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother Wayne would go out on Saturdays until he got caught. He'd go to the grocery store. That was his shopping day. He'd take these little tracks that he had, these little smiley face tracks. He said, Brother Greg, I take a couple hours to shop. He said, I go and I don't, I got to read the ingredients, you know. He said, I reach in my pocket and I get one of them little smiley face tracks out and I palm it. And I'll take out a cereal box, and I'll read it, and I'll slip that little track in the top flap. He did that for years before he finally got caught. The store said, you can't do that anymore. In fact, the, the manager was so precious. He's a Christian fellow. He said, I can't let you do it because it's product tampering. But he said, I certainly appreciate what you're doing. He said, I don't want to discourage you from passing out tracks. He said, you just can't do it in our store anymore. This is the way Brother Wayne loves people. I'm not trying to build up a man, but there are a lot of illustrations of folks that I could give. When I was in college. <clears throat> I met a young man by the name of Nate Stillwell. And Nate and I uh, started a Bible club together, reaching inner city kids on Saturday nights. We'd bring 40 or 50 of them into the church property on Saturday evenings, and we'd preach to them and have an activity time and uh, usually feed them a snack or some pizza or something. And some of those kids, that was the only, the only exposure they had to anybody that cared for them the whole week. We had kids that their parents would kick them out of the house on Fridays when they got home from school and say, don't come home till time for school on Monday. And uh, Nate, first time I ever met him, I noticed he was follically challenged like I am. And so we kind of hit it off. But Nate was a young fella uh, at the time I met him, 20 years old. And um, come to find out, Nate had cancer, been battling cancer for a while. He'd come every week to the uh, Bible club, 
there were weeks that he was in so much pain, we would take a table and lay, it, lay him on top of the table. He'd lay on top of it. And boys in his class would sit around. He had the largest class in our, in our teen club. He'd sit there and teach those boys to lesson. He went into the hospital shortly before Christmas break my senior year. They said, uh, if, you wanted to, if you want to say goodbye to him, I'd go before Christmas break because the chances are he won't survive the Christmas break. So we went to the hospital. And a friend of mine and I, we went there to visit him and to try to encourage him. We walked in the hospital, and he's real weak and can hardly talk. And as soon as he saw us, he leaned up and put a pillow behind his back and smiled real big. And for the next 15 or 20 minutes, he talked about how good God was and asking about the Bible club and his boys at the, in this class. We prayed together, and I left there weeping. I thought, boy... What a testimony. I got back from Christmas break. I didn't stay as long as some kids. I wanted to get back and heard he was still still there. They finally sent him home. Said there's nothing more we can do. I went to church Sunday night before Nate passed away. I was sitting over on the left-hand side. <clears throat> the invitation came on that Sunday night. And uh, here comes Brother Nate down the aisle. His dad's pushing him in his wheelchair. There's a young man beside him that he had led to the Lord the day before out on bus visitation. Later that week, he went into a coma and passed away. And I remember thinking this thought, Lord, why Nate? Why Nate? Why not take me? I had a desire to serve the Lord, but I'll be real frank with you. If I had gone through what Nate did, I don't know that I would have, I would have done the things he did. I think if I had had that kind of pain, I don't know that I would have come out and taught my boys their lesson that week just a few days before passing away to make my dad push me around my bus route in a wheelchair so I could visit my bus route. One of the greatest things we have an opportunity to do is to win people to Christ. It ought to be our foremost thought in our serving God. There's some lessons, I think, that can be found in the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, I'm going to give them to you in about the next three to four minutes. I'm going to take a lot of time. I'm not going to comment a lot on them. But things that we can learn from the story of the Ethiopian eunuch, number one, God's leadership sometimes is contrary to our plans. We need to recognize this. God's leading is sometimes contrary to our plans. Philip had been preaching. He'd had great revival. The uh, Bible says back in verse number 5 of chapter 8, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people, notice this, 
with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them. And many taken with palsies that were lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. Great revival was taking place. The whole city took heed to what Philip was saying. And here comes God in the middle of this revival, in the middle of this preacher having unbelievable results of people coming to know Christ. He says, Philip, I want you to go out into the desert. I don't think that was in Philip's plans. God had a reason, didn't He? You and I need to be conscious of the fact that there are sometimes God will lead us in ways that are not in our plans. We need to be willing to follow His leading in our life. Number two, the necessity of evangelism. Notice, as we get down to verse number 31, back up to verse 30, And Philip ran hither and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And notice what the Ethiopian says. He says, How can I accept some man should guide me? Folks, there's a need, there's a necessity for us to evangelize people, to take the Word of God and show them. Show them. Not by our arguments, not by our discussions, but we take this book right here in our hands. We open it up and we say, look right here, I want you to see this. This isn't what I think. This is what God has said. There's only one thing that God has promised that is quick and powerful. There's only one thing that He says and He promises will not return void, and that's His Word. We can use our own arguments. We can use our illustrations. We can use our logic and our thinking. We can discuss things with people and tell them what we think about things. But at the end of the day, people need to know God's Word and we need to be able to show it to them. The necessity of evangelism. We need to be prepared in God's Word to be able to rightly handle it, to use it, to share the Gospel. Number three, the importance of obedience to the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in verse number 26, And the angel of the Lord spoke unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down to Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went. He arose and went. There's a difference between sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and obedience to the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we know very well what the Lord is leading us to do. Sometimes we know very clearly what the Holy Spirit has given us. Are we obedient to it? There are times... And I hate to use personal illustration, and I say this to my shame, but there have been times that I have known, I have known absolutely that God wanted a particular thing, and I have not done it. I could take an afternoon and share illustrations in my life where that has happened. Every time I have regretted it, 
Every time I've looked back on it and said, that's something I will stand and account for one of these days. Folks, we have a very sobering task in that God has entrusted us with, this, with the distribution of the gospel. It's something that we cannot take lightly. It's something that we cannot just uh, play around with or piddle around with or uh, give, give a, an effort to. But this is something we must take on diligently. Something that we must do. Number four, whatever number we're on. We need to be able to provide guidance in the Scriptures. We need to be able to provide guidance in the Scriptures. We need to study this book so that we know how to handle it well. When Scriptures can come to mind and come to heart while we're talking with someone, when we understand and can rightly divide and understand Scripture, sometimes we take a verse of Scripture and we misread it and we don't, we don't show it the way that it's intended in Scripture. We need to study. We need to learn. We need to saturate our lives, our, 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 our minds with the Word of God. In the book of Psalms 119, it says, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against God. In Psalm 119, 135, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119, verse 9, Wherewithal shall the young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto, according to thy word. Oh, we would learn to saturate our hearts and our minds with the Word of God. We have a spare minute. Pick up the Bible and read it. If you don't like reading that much or can't read that much, get you something that has it in audio and at least listen to it. But saturate your heart and your mind with the Word of God. Not only will it be a help to you, but when it comes to this thing of telling the lost, we'll have much more to work with. We'll have much more understanding much more that the Holy Spirit can call to remembrance. And the last one, the last one is to point them to Jesus. Point them to Jesus. Be careful about getting bogged down in debates in Scripture. I'm not saying you don't take the time to explain things that they truly need to know. But be careful about getting bogged down in things like the end times prophecies. We can teach and learn about those things later. I want you to notice what the Bible says in verse number 35. <clears throat> then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same Scripture and preached unto him what? Jesus. We ought to be able to take this Bible and wherever we go in it, be able to get to Jesus. Be able to get to Jesus. Folks, we've got a great and a sobering task at hand. I hope we don't take it lightly. I, ho I hope we get the understanding of the, the urgency of the hour. That we take God's Word, we handle it rightly. We are diligent in studying it and preparing our hearts. We're sensitive not only to the leading of the Holy Spirit, but we're willing to obey the Holy Spirit. Those many times we teach on the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit, and rightfully so. But I believe now that we're at a point where I think a lot of folks in our church pray for and seek for their, the leading of the Holy Spirit in their lives. The secondary part of that is now we've got to be willing to do it. We've got to be willing to do it. So I want to leave these lessons with you from the life of Philip. 
and with the urgency of the hour pressed upon us. That there are people that are dying and on their way to hell that need to hear. Not all will listen, but we must continue to go. We can't give up just because we hit a few hard cases that say, I don't want to hear it. We find somebody that will listen and then we share the gospel. And let it do its work. Bring them to Jesus. Help them to see that need and that decision. It ought to be the foremost thing on our hearts, on our minds. And uh, I like what Jesus told His disciples in Matthew 5. He's walking along the Sea of Galilee and He sees James and John. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. One of the great things that He did. Oh, that we would learn to become followers of the Lord Jesus Christ in this area of being fishers of men. Giving ourselves diligently to the job and the task at hand. Not because we have to. Because we get to. One of the great privileges of our life to be used of God. To handle the most precious thing that He has. The Gospel story. Let's stand together. Father, we're thankful for Your Word. We pray that You would help us not to just hear, but that we would let it sink in. Lord, may we meditate and think upon these things we're going to leave in a moment and go to our homes and we'll have things going on this afternoon. Lord, I pray that You would help us to not quickly forget the messages today. That sometime between now and the time that we lay our heads on our pillows tonight, we will take time to reflect, to meditate on, to pray about, and to seek Your help in applying it to our lives. That this would not just be an unprofitable time that we have spent, but a profitable time in our life. Dismiss us now with Your blessings. We thank You so much for the time, the sweetness of the hour, time of fellowship You've given, the preciousness of Your Word and what it means to us. And I pray that You would help us to long to draw even closer to it and to You. Give us safety as we travel now as we're dismissed. In Jesus' name, amen.